Today's episode of Outside the Rack is brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of the GymAware. In today's world of strength and conditioning, data collections become the utmost of importance, and that's exactly where GymAware separates itself from the competition. Because when we're sitting there and looking to collect data, what data are you actually collecting? And are the numbers you're looking at fitting into the exercises that you're utilizing? And even more so, are they going to answer the questions that you're looking for? Looking at different ways that you are moving the barbell through peak and mean, both velocity and power, is really what separates GymAware from the competition. Being able to understand what your ballistic exercises are doing separate to what your strength exercises are doing really allows you to program at a much more specific level for your athletes. So hop on over to kinetic.com.au to see what Evan and his team have in store for you today. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some fantastic practitioners that are always searching for more. But more what? What are strength and conditioning coaches searching for to better their ability to prepare their athletes? Well, what about cutting-edge information or a place where you can find different opinions from forward-thinking coaches on what you're doing, how you're doing, and try to get feedback to be better for your athletes? Or what about a place where you'll find like-minded coaches that can provide solid coaching advice and career development for you as you progress through your career as a strength and conditioning professional? Well, this is exactly why we built the Strength Coach Network. You'll have access to exclusive monthly content on top of the sensationally active forum that we have where you can communicate with coaches all over the world to find those answers that you're looking for to help you be a better practitioner for your athletes. So make sure you hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S, and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 45th episode of Outside the Rack, brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of GymAware. In this show, we're just going to try to dive a little deeper into some of the minds of the top practitioners in the world of sport performance to learn a little bit more about who they actually are and how they got to where they are today. Today we are joined by the University of South Carolina's women's basketball sport performance coach and more importantly the co-host of Free Vasps, Molly Benetti. Molly, thanks for being with us. Jay, thank you again. I feel like I've gotten a lot of time with you over this quarantine so I uh, appreciate you having me on again. Well, yes. We have gotten a lot of time. In, well, you've been stuck with a lot of time with me, I guess we could say, with, uh, with the event and the different other, you know, the other events that we've been able to attend together and present together with, which has been a blast. And I think both of us right now are in the same situation. We're just ready for some college basketball. Yeah, man, you're telling me. I <laughs> can only stay in my house so long and look at my players on a computer screen for so long. No doubt. But listen, before we get too far into it, who is Molly Benetti? Man, we're just diving two feet in right off the bat, huh? No warm up. Let's <laughs> get right into nope. it. Nope, head first. Let's see how deep the water is. Let's go. All forward. right, all right, all right. Um, yeah, you know, I think I always thought that identity, like who I am, was like this destination, right? Like, you know, the point of life is to find ourselves per se, or to, you know, we come to this conclusion of like, okay, this is who we are. And this is kind of finite. Uh, and I think what I've realized is that it's an ever evolving process. Um, identity is much more 
of, I guess, creating myself. And I think that's what I've had the most fun with is like, how do I continue to create myself uh, day by day? And it, you know, it never stops. It's like we're like shedding the skin. We're keeping parts of ourselves that serve us well and that serve others well. And then we get rid of the things that, that don't serve us anymore. And we find new things. Um, I think that for me, a kind of an all-encompassing way to describe myself is I'm somebody that's obsessed with human potential. Um, and that's not even just like in the realm of performance in our field, but just of ourselves, like my potential as a human, uh, the potential, potential of our, obviously our athletes, of our industry, of our country, of our, our entire world. But um, I've kind of lived by this this motto, I guess, and it's something that's actually etched in my skin now, but it's, um, I've got a, a tattoo of a, a sound wave and it says courageous in pursuit of the path. And, and for me, that's a word that I use to describe myself is, is just courageous in, in pursuing uh, this path of self-discovery, um, this path of, you know, enduring, you know, what is hard, this path of, you know, seeking things that bring me joy um, being able to make decisions in line with what I value. Um, and it's, you know, it really, I, I don't think it, it falls into just one, one realm, but I, that's something that I always aspire to be. It's just somebody that's be able to be courageous in pursuing, you know, what's good and what's right and pursuing things that, um, really just, are, you know, it's this constant like seeking of, of knowledge and the seeking of growth and seeking of, uh, just being better, a better version of myself and helping other people reach their potential and be better versions of themselves. Um, but like I said, it's, it's always evolving, but I think I really like this version of me right now, um, where I think I used to pride myself on like, being right and having answers and having all of this knowledge and being able to communicate that. And I think more than anything right now is I pride myself on being able to ask better questions and not be so concerned about having the answers, but realizing that I don't have answers and I have more questions and I can ask better questions. Um, I think I pride myself on being able to listen more than I talk now. Um, you know, I think I always aspire to be just kind and loving and compassionate. I think especially in the state of our world right now, those three things are more important than ever. Um, but I think really just this is probably the most I've, I've felt and experienced this in my life is just being really sturdy on two feet and being really firm in, in what I believe and what I value and being not afraid to speak on that. Um, and understanding that, especially given everything right now, there's a lot of really difficult and, and hard things that we have to come to terms with and, but not being afraid to say things and speak out and, and be true to who I am and be true to, just what I feel is right, even though that may not resonate with other people. No, and I think that especially like you brought up in, in today's climate, like a lot of those things are important. Being able to, you know, change and learn and identify weaknesses or issues that need to continually evolve and being better for other people and asking better questions instead of having so many answers is is really where a lot of us I think can can start and be better for sure for sure and I think this you know last like what we said before 16 weeks has really been 
uh, a challenging time that we've all had to endure, right? And I think at, at, in some way, we're all coming out of this a different version of ourselves, hopefully a better version of ourselves. But I'm curious for you, like, what do you feel like is something about you that, that maybe has inherently changed during this time that maybe wouldn't have if, if we didn't experience what we have? Like, how are you coming out on the other side of this? Um, different, whether that's something that's like just innately like within you or something that you're going to do differently or how you view or see or, or think about things differently. Oof. Okay. Flipping the quarter here a little bit and, uh, and getting me involved. I like this. So yeah, you know, I think the big thing, um, and I talked with Don about this a little bit yesterday and I've, I think that the big thing is with everything going, going on, with the social ramifications tied to everything that, you know, the country is dealing with right now, I think taking a step back and learning more about that aspect of coaching and understanding not just what different things mean right now and how you can be better and listening and all those things, but even like the importance of how you respond in different situations. Like for a long time, I think a lot of us have been really worried about if I respond too quickly or too knee jerky, like I'm going to lose my job or something bad's going to come of this. But instead it, like, what is most important is the actual emotion to it and being able to express that and for people to see that. So kind of understanding like those avenues of communication, um, and I think, like, outside of, like, just stupid learning things, I think understanding that, like, what it really does mean to connect with the kids um, has been really important. And, you know, how important that connection really is to me and, you know, figuring out better ways to, to do that. But I think that, yeah, like sitting down and talking with those three guys and really just getting a better understanding of really the optics of what we do and how we, we look at it in a sense of we don't want to do the wrong thing. It's actually doing the wrong thing. Um, been really really eye-opening to me um that's probably the big one yeah I love that you said that I think it I think it especially in the beginning too we like everything that we do was taken away from us right like we can't be in our environment we can't do what we love doing and that's how we connect with our kids right and like that's our our means of doing that and so I think it's really been eye-opening and exposed a lot of like, how do we really connect with our athletes as humans when we don't have the means that we normally do, or if we just use, you know, them as athletes and we use them in the weight room and in our daily interactions with them in, in this basketball environment, right? Like those are how, that's how we connect with them. But now you strip that away. How well are you really connected with them as humans? And I think that's been the 
I think the best part about this is it forces us all, if I guess if we choose to and if we find it important, right, to we can reevaluate, like, am I really connected with with these people? Do we actually have a strong relationship or we just have daily interactions? Like, do I really value them as people? Do I really care about what's what's happening? Or am I just concerned about performance? And so I think it's forced us all to be better leaders. It's forced us to really dive deeper into language and, and how we how we build our relationships with them. Because if you don't have those skills and you realize that it, you were just relying upon your environment to do those things for you, like inherently, then we're really missing the boat on what's actually important. No doubt. No doubt. But yeah, at the end of all of it, though, I just hope we can play. <laughs> right. I, I, hope we can, I, I like, yeah, selfishly, but like really for these kids more than anything, yeah. like they deserve the opportunity and it's, I mean, that's, we just want them to be able to do what they love again. Especially since it got taken away so abruptly. Robbed. Yeah. yeah. No, no doubt. But listen, Molly, I mean, you're a person that's bounced around a bit, always digging, trying to grow personally, professionally. It's had a really big impact on how all of that has been going for everyone else as well. So, number one, I'm pretty excited about here. If you wouldn't mind, describe a learning situation that brought about an epiphany in your career. Man, there's so there's so many that I can reflect on. Um, you know, I think I'll go with one that's on the more recent side of things because I really do think it's transformed the way that I view myself as, as a as a coach, and I think really view my impact in, in our role, but. You know, I'll start with when I first got this job, uh, before I even got the job, when I was on my interview, I was told about a particular athlete that we had who was a, a key piece of, of the puzzle in terms of our success as a team. Somebody who was about to be a junior, they had all-American talent, all the potential in the world, but, you know, typical, right? They're targeted as kind of lazy, unmotivated, can't get themselves in shape. You know, they don't want, they don't like the weight room, they don't want to work. And so I was basically tasked with, like, it's your job to get this person ready to play 30 minutes a game. And the way that it was kind of described to me was, like, I need to kind of come in and be this hard ass and um, really get this person ready to go. And so I came in my first year. I personal trained this person entirely, like, the entire off season, all of it. Like, hated me, absolutely hated me like we did not like each other it was it was one of those things where it was um like having to beg them to do things uh attitudes like we'd get into shouting matches we would get into you know it was a, a daily battle of like pulling teeth trying to get behavior out of this person that uh and like the physical part is the easy part like you have no choice like this is the work we're doing it um and so this you know it was miserable though. Like honestly, the the year as a whole, it was like I, I kind of felt like I had to come in with something to prove. I had to like come down with my foot and be like, no, like this is how we're doing things. Um, and got so much pushback and so much resistance from 
are athletes. Like they didn't trust me. They had no reason to trust me. And I wasn't helping myself by giving them reasons to trust me. I was just coming in and I was like, this is, this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. And like, I, I had decent relationships with some of them. Some of them I had terrible relationships with. Um, and this one athlete in particular, like really made me question everything that I did. And uh, kind of led me, you know, I'll, I'll fast forward a little bit, like had a, had a good season. The first time ever played 30 plus minutes a game, you know, by all means, you know, a, a somewhat successful season. But at the end of the year, I really had to, like, I was at this point where I just felt exhausted. Like, I just felt like this cognitive dissonance of like, this is not how I want to coach. This is not how we should coach. This doesn't bring me any joy. It doesn't bring my athletes any joy. Um, we're getting results. Like they're getting better physically. They're able to produce on the court. All of that is good. But I was like, I know there's more than, than this. And I know there's a better way to do it. And I've got to show up at a, as a better version of myself. And like this particular athlete was the most challenging I've ever worked with in my career. And it really made me realize that, you know, there's, there's gotta be a better way. And like this, this old school mentality of like, no, like, you know, we're just these like disciplinarians and this, these dictators that, you know, we're, we're supposed to set the tone and, um, you know, like just, just have this, this persona and this presence about us. that like, you know, it's, we run the show and we're in control. Like that doesn't, doesn't work. And it doesn't work for me. It's not true to who I am. And I, at several points in my career, I've felt like I've had to be that way. I've tried to mimic either another coach or a boss that I worked for, or I was just like, that's what kind of what we're taught when we come into it is like, this is how, this is how you do it. But I always felt this uneasiness and this this cognitive dissonance of like, that's not who I am. But it kind of took this experience in that first year and this athlete in particular to make me really reflect and be like, okay, I need to get myself back. I need to be back to who I am and have joy just as a person again. And also I'm like, I'm going to, I need to, I need to coach differently. I need to coach true to who I am. And I want to, I want to try some things. And with this athlete in particular, who doesn't like the weight room, doesn't like to train, uh, literally had to force to do anything. I took a different approach and she kind of became my, my co-creator, my co-pilot and completely changed the, I think the language I used with her changed the approach. She was involved with everything that we did. She had choices. Um, she, you know, I found a way to connect with her on, on a different level about what she actually cared about. And it changed the way that our relationship grew, but it also changed her experience of me as a coach and changed her experience in training to, we got to the point where, you know, if she had a choice, she'd probably still choose taking a nap over coming to the weight room. But when she was in there, she was asking me to try more things. She was, uh, more driven to to challenge herself more and do things that she couldn't and in return created a situation for herself where she was experiencing things she hadn't before her she had the best season her senior year um our relationship grew to we had an understanding of each other and it was a very non-traditional approach in terms of how we how we communicated how we connected how we trained together but it worked for her and it was in a way that was not threatening and it was a way where she got to take ownership of it. And so that was really an experiment for me to be like, okay, can this work? Can I, can I do things the way that I, I know to be true to myself? Can I do this in a way where is it's outside the box in terms of what we think a, a weight room experience looks like? 
and still get results and then still get buy-in from the coaching staff. And it, all of those things happened. Um, and I think it was uh, just a really interesting case study for me and kind of a turning point in terms of how I approach, I think, our role and how I, how I do my job. And it completely changed uh, my personal experience enjoying coaching again but also I've seen it transform the way that our athletes experience um, myself themselves and just the the whole training experience so I think that's a huge moment especially for those of us who have been in the game for a while where when we kind of hit that that wall or whatever we want to call it and are almost forced to understand that you're coaching with the athlete. You are not coaching the athlete. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If they're not involved in the process, how can we expect them to truly trust us and, and believe in what we're doing that it's best for them and has their best interests in mind rather than our interest right if they're not involved in it and they're just being told what to do how can we really know what's best for them other than just plain we think this is best for them but when they need to experience that they that we care about them and they need to experience that we have their best interests in mind it's not enough like we can't just assume that they know that they have to feel it they have to be a part of it um and not just one day but day after day no, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, you know, we talked about the next one a little bit before, so I'm excited to hear what this one is. If Molly could ask one question and she knew she would get the answer to it, what would that question be and why? I mean, given everything going on, not just in our industry but the world the only question that i keep asking myself right now is how do we change and it's going to sound like i'm coming from a place of like just being jaded and and that there are all these problems but i mean like how do what does it take for someone or something to truly change and that's on a micro level like what does it take like how do we change as individuals like what what is actually the tipping point uh, you know, I think we take a look at our industry. Uh, there's a lot that, there's a lot inherently awesome about strength and conditioning. And there's a lot of things that are also inherently not awesome that needs to change. And I think you're seeing a lot of things happening that are, you know, have a lot of us wondering why things aren't changing and what we can do to change. And then I look at obviously the climate of, you know, our country and I think just the world and we look at social injustice and we look at racial inequality and we, we look at so many of these things that are happening and some of it is, you know, we're born into and it, it's, it's centuries old. What does, how do we change? If things are going to get better, how do we change? And uh, this, I think the only thing that I'm thinking about and, and talking to people about whether it's again on on a small scale or if it's just talking about strength and conditioning if it's talking about you know how do we how do we better 
support our athletes? How do we better support people that are do not have a seat at the table? Like, how do we actually change things and and, and get the wheels turning? And I don't know. We can we can, I you know I think there's a lot to be discussed and and a lot of gray area within that, but that's the only thing I can think about right now. And I think that's truly the only thing that matters. Like everything else seems irrelevant right now. No, I, I, I can dig that too, because I think that, you know, like we were talking about earlier, there's, there are some certain things right now that are starting to get the wheels turning and things moving and people communicating about, but you know, like we both talked about like other conversations we've been able to have with people about things socially, professionally, and all of the things around it that are going on right now that like the steps are there. And I, I like that you use the term tipping point because I think that it really is that right now that we're basically at a spot where if the wind blows the right way, like the ball is going to start rolling down the hill. It's just a matter of which side of the hill it's going to roll down. Absolutely. I think it's so important we have to keep momentum there's and it's I mean it's an interesting time right now and almost an interesting social experiment because you know we talk about George Floyd and we talk about you know Ahmaud Arbery those things have happened before but we're in a time right now where kind of life in general is put on pause and everything is really magnified to a greater degree and so I've thought to myself I'm like are we at a tipping point now because the world is paying attention and they don't have their own, like people don't have the, you know, they kind of wrap themselves up in the excuses of being so busy and and so caught up in our own lives that we don't, we hear about things that are happening in the world, but we don't pay as much attention because we're worried about everything that's going on in our lives. But now like literally everything's on pause. Sports are on pause. People's jobs are on pause. Like we're paying attention and these things are happening so are we gaining, like, is that why we're at a tipping point right now? Like, regardless, regardless of why, that's kind of, I guess, a tangent, but these issues keep happening, you know, whether it's racially, whether it's, you know, in our industry, we see the same things kind of popping up and no real change being made. I think, we, like you said, we're at a point where if we keep momentum and we keep pressing forward, these things are going to change and it's not going to happen overnight. But I think what happens is right. Something happens. We're outraged about it and we feel really strongly about it for a period of time. And then kind of just get back to our own lives and and we keep, you know, we mind our own business again and we kind of lose sight of why we were so outraged in the first place. Whereas now I think we really do have a unique opportunity and you're even seeing athletes put their playing careers on pause to keep the momentum going with these things this is, I mean, you've never seen this to this extent before. So I think it's really encouraging. I hope that people can keep the momentum. I know I, I want to. I, I have, you know, I feel like I feel convicted more than ever to, you know, keep speaking, keep finding ways to be a part of the change. I think both on, you know, an industry level and uh, a global and, and just countrywide level. Um, but that's... I think it's a really it's just really interesting 
but I feel encouraged. I feel optimistic. I think people are, are at that point where enough is enough. Yeah, I think encouraged and optimistic are two fair terms with it. I think, too, that I think enough is enough is probably a fair way to say it. I don't know if I would say it different other than, like, maybe... Like, I, I totally agree that the maybe the best thing that happened for this is COVID because there is nothing else to do. Um, but, like, I'm nervous that people are going to get back to being comfortable um, instead of forcing people to really look at these things and just kind of be like we're really still doing that like we're really there like that's really where we are and you know almost July of 2020 like that's that's where we are and I think that that the the scary part of it is it's you can tell that it's starting to make waves and it's starting to go forward because there's like aggressive pushback, you know, almost like cornered lion, cornered tiger. Uh, we should probably keep it with the summer theme, right? Cornered <laughs> tiger, like pushback where it's almost like, people fighting for their way of life or whatever without being able to take a step back and being like, wait a minute, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. It's, I was having a conversation about this with a friend and it's so like, it's either like, either are told you have to fall on one end of the spectrum or the other and like they're both extreme right and uh you've got one side that's making their case and like they're good movements and there's and there's so much um you know like the substance of it is amazing but then it's like termed a certain way that the opposition finds so offensive and they're like so threatened by it and then you've got the other side doing the same thing that just turns off the, the other side completely. And it's like where there's got to be a middle ground where we're both agreeing on the same things, but we can figure out a language that we can all agree upon to actually move forward. Because I think part of it, too, is like, people, you know, you've got like these radical ideas and, and terminology but it is so off-putting to other people because they are, again, like you, you hold so closely like what is comfortable to you and what is familiar and anything that's an attack on that is, is deemed as like you've got to put yourself on the defense and then you're just closing yourself off to the, to the experience of changing or even thinking differently. So it's like how do we, like I think at the heart of it, like you're going to find the majority of people agree on the humanity of of things but because of people like pigeonhole themselves almost of being like on you know this far extreme or the other like we can't find a way to come to this middle ground where it's like hey yeah we believe in the same things let's figure out a way that we can both be involved and like agree upon agree upon it like would you say that's fair to say 
A hundred percent. It's like the whole... It's the whole confusion of Black Lives Matter. Like... That, that... Right? Like, summed up. Like, that's what it is. It's like, oh, well, but... but okay, listen, like... Yeah, like... Everybody matters... But right now, what we're talking about at the present moment is specifically this. Exactly. Like no, that, exactly. And that's been hard for a lot of people, you know, to, to wrap their head around because of what you said. And it's like, yeah, like, take a deep breath. No one is saying that what that that's not true. What is being said right now, though, is there is a problem. And this is what it is. And this is what we're trying to address. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I, that, like, leads down a whole other series of questions for me. Is like, why why can't people understand that? But you're it's right. It's like, okay, Black Lives Matter. It's termed in a way that, again, the opposition finds combative or whatever same thing with like defund the police people you know it's i think you hear that and what it means is different than what that language actually like is implying and so you've got the other side of it they're like think that it's ludicrous right and same thing like the book like white fragility written by a white person but super off-putting to other white people that are like you know that language is like terming them as, as something that or labeling them as something that's a threat right or like it's really hard to swallow unless you're willing to kind of break those walls down and be like okay like can I be open to this information and like actually just listen and absorb it and without judgment and like with an intent to actually process and decide for myself if you know I can be open to this but in ter- in, instead, it's like, mm, nope, wall up, not going to listen. I'm, I'm so firm in my beliefs that I, I refuse to even listen to your idea because of how it's being uh, translated. The message is always important. Yeah. And how it's delivered might be even more important. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, um, it's like you said, it's... it's I'm optimistic. I think there's encouraging things that are happening. Really, like it's it's been I think a really eye-opening experience, kind of like we talked about before. Uh, and I think you know, working in a, in a sport where you know we we are the minority in that environment, I think gives us the opportunity to really, again, break our own walls down and our own understanding of things, and really just be a sponge and just learn and figure out ways that we can help. And I think open our eyes to different perspectives that we just, we, we can't know unless we, you know, we're, we're taught by, you know, the other side of the coin. So I think, you know, we're, it's, it's a unique opportunity, but it's also, I think, really frustrating that people are still just so, um, it's like so far gone on either side that we can't seem to come to an agreement on on many things right now. Yeah. 
But I do. I agree. I think that obviously we're not where we need to be, but we're moving forward. And I think that things are starting to, you know, at least I think that what society has become very good at is identifying problems. And I think now, I think our next, um, our next hurdle when it comes to kind of the evolution of, of us as a society is, all right, so we've identified a problem and it's a, it's a significant one. I think people starting to have these conversations is unique to that ability that we possess normally because now solutions are starting to come through. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it even goes back to, you know, my initial question of how do we change? I think sometimes, you know, I think I think it starts on an individual level because you can't really change policy and you can't change broader level things if what's below isn't inherently changing, right? But I think sometimes, too, we think that our small actions may not matter or make a difference when in reality, I think the you know, the compilation of each individual's small actions, that's what influences the the greater good. And like the, the bigger momentum building shifts in ideas and thoughts and values. So I think it's, you know, no matter how small our solutions are, you know, even if it's just in, I don't know, I'm going to use signing a petition as an example, or just like some, you know, maybe small level action that you're taking in your own, in your own life, whether it's conversations that you're having or, um, you know, protesting or whatever it is on a community level, like those small actions combined with every other individual small actions, like that's, what's going to help keep this momentum going. Yeah, dude. And I, I think that the last thing I'd probably add to that is like, we talk about all the time, you know, and you mentioned earlier about the relationships with student athletes and the people that we get the opportunity to coach. Like, If you really do care about them, you really should be listening and asking questions and trying to be better for them. Like if we're going to give autonomy to them and, and give them ownership and allow them to critique us in training, why would it be any different if there is something that we could do better individually for them as people like I, I you know I've, I had this conversation with a few people and you know the, the the talk I did with the guys like I was nervous as hell going into it because I've been told so many times it's a hard conversation but like dude like understanding and listening to someone's backstory and things that they've been through so that you better understand the lens that they see the world through and then asking like things and looking for ways to be better shouldn't be, if, if you're a driven person that wants to be better, shouldn't be a hard conversation. It should be an aha moment. It shouldn't be a, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid. What are they going to say? It's like, dude, like I love the guys I get to coach. And if there's something that I need to do to be better, like how I post on social media, like they brought up, like that should be important to you. So freaking do it like, because like, if you're better for them, then it just, you're better for more people and it just continues to be better. Yeah. Jay, I mean, you're spot on. Like, and I'd go, 
as far to even say, like, if you aren't having those conversations with your athletes anyway, like, can you truly help them or connect with them or coach them in a way that is the most effective? Like, you may be able to train them and get them physically better, right? But, like, if you truly don't understand the lens in which they see the world and see the experiences that they have, especially, like, with you, like, can you really make the make the impact that you or we all say that we want to make and I think that's I think you brought up such a good point like that shouldn't be a hard conversation that should be a, a required conversation like if we say we're all about our athletes and we but we don't we don't know their stories and we don't care to truly get to know them on that level and and deal with not even, not deal with and and listen and hear the the parts of their story that maybe make us uncomfortable I say, I think we're doing them a disservice as to, you know, we're just another person in their life that is asking things of them without fully understanding them. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Molly, let me get it, get you out of here on this one. As a person in college basketball, I would love to hear this because typically right now we would have absolutely zero chance at this. But what's your escape? What gets you back to zero? A lot of things. Uh, getting lost in in a book, getting lost in nature, whether that's, uh, you know, I'm lucky here in South Carolina. I'm close to the mountains. I'm close to the ocean. Uh, so, you know, whether it's, it's hiking, whether it's just, you know, going off grid and, and disconnecting from the world um, by the water, um, just being around people that bring me joy. Um, you know, I think those are some of the main ways. And, you know, sometimes even for me, it's as easy as just getting kind of getting lost in my own head and just kind of disconnecting from the rest of the world and just spending time with myself. And I think that's the biggest way for me to recharge my batteries is, uh, I value my alone time. And I think, like you said, when we're really in the thick of it, we spend very little time truly by ourselves uh, throughout the course of a year. And so I value that time. I use it as a time for reflection. I use it as a time to just kind of get lost and, uh, you know, do things I enjoy. But uh, for sure, anything outdoors, uh, I mean, we're so lucky to have, I mean, South Carolina is, is kind of the, the best of both worlds. I get a little bit of everything, uh, whether it's city life. Uh, like I said, ocean or mountains. And so um, I love to explore. I love to go on adventures and and spend time with, with my dog and myself. And, you know, if I'm going to spend time with, with other people or people that are really important to me and uh, fill me back up. I love it. Molly, as always, great catching up. Great to wrap. I, part of me wishes we recorded the whole 95 minutes of this conversation so far, but the rest, you only get about 40. Um, but no, I truly always appreciate your time. Always great to catch up. And shoot, you've given me 100 minutes. Go uh, go give some time to the to the one with the four legs that is way better <laughs> than the person on the other side of the camera right now. Because both, <laughs> you got two dog people here. Um, it's, yeah. If, if, if you can't, get go home and recharge with a 
just laying on the couch or going for a walk with your dog. I don't, I don't know what can help you. Right. I think, uh, dogs are benefiting the most from this whole quarantine thing. No doubt. Oh, dude. <laughs> you know, there's part of me that thinks because the dog is benefiting so much, people with dogs are benefiting even more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But no, well, always truly grateful. Appreciate it. Glad we could get this down. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Jay. Yeah. Really appreciate you. All right. Cheers.